Good morning, Christ Fellowship. I'm going to place this to the side here. My name is Joel, and I'm honored to be with you this morning. I'm honored to share the message today. My prayer is that God's present. Excuse me, I'm a little under the weather. My prayer is God's present and that our hearts are open to receive everything that he has in store for us in this morning. Amen? So we've been talking about capacity. Capacity refers to the amount that something can be produced, the maximum amount that something can contain or hold. In other words, to increase our capacity means to basically, in one way or another, have more. And I think everyone, in one shape or form, wants more of something, whether that be you want more knowledge in a specific topic, you want to be smarter, maybe you want, I don't know, more peace or communication in your relationships, maybe you want more happiness, uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe you want more uh, success in your job, more finances, more responsibility or pay in your, in your job. Listen, we live in America. We know what it is to want more in one way or another. I, I know you guys agree with me. Even the minimalist, the minimalist wants more. If you don't know what a minimalist is, that's a person who wants to live a simple life, as simple as possible. But even the minimalist wants more because they want more what? Efficiency. If you've ever seen the show Tiny House, a tiny house is basically, they live, these, they live in boxes, basically. I don't know how they live in those things that they live in, right? But I've, I've seen one scenario where they have a tiny room, and in that room they have a table that flips out of the wall, and they use the table during the day. Then at night they flip the table back into the wall, and from the same wall they pull out a bed. Like, I don't even know how that's possible. That's the most efficient wall I've ever seen in my life. And so even the minimalist wants more. And one way or another, we all want the same thing. We want more capacity. Obviously, today, we're talking about wanting more potential in life. In fact, today's te- um, uh, this series that we've been talking about is titled Capacity, Finding Our Fullest Potential in Christ. Finding Our Fullest Potential in Christ. Pastor Carlos spoke last week about capacity. He gave a great message telling us a little bit about it. And he talked about how God, God has no limit to how much capacity he can pull out from within you. There's no limit to what God can do in you and through you. Because God is obviously the unlimited capacity, right? He can do anything through you. In fact, the scripture, Ephesians 3.20, it should be behind me, or it's going to be behind me in a second. And it says this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Can we read that together, actually? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. That word that pops out to me is immeasurably. There's no limit to what God can do in you and through you. And I think that actually makes perfect segue to today's teaching. Today's teaching is pretty much can be summed up in this phrase. In order for you to reach your fullest potential, your life has to be aligned with God's priorities. In order for you to reach your fullest potential, your life has to be aligned with God's priorities. Our our fullest potential is tied to God. Our fullest potential is tied to God. And it makes sense, doesn't it? Doesn't it make sense that our life has to be lined up with God in order to reach our fullest potential? He's the one that created us. He made us. In fact, Psalm 139 that should pop up says this, for you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I mean, don't you think he knows our potential more than anybody else would? 
more than, more than we know ourselves. We think we know our potential. God knows our potential way more than we do, especially when you consider the fact that he made us, and not only that, but he, he knows what he made us for. Not only he knows that, not only he made you, but he knows what he made you for. Who can know more potential than that? How, think about it. How can you reach your fullest potential outside of the source that gave you the potential to begin with? Only in Christ can we find our greatest, our greatest potential. Um, our lives need to be aligned with God and his priorities. I, I have an analogy for you that I think can paint this a little bit. It's an example of being lined up to find your maximum capacity. So Steph Curry is a great basketball player. Are there any NBA fans in the building? A few of us. All right, we've got a few up there down here. So my, my, boy, uh, my poor boy Steph is probably going to lose the NBA Finals right now. I'm, I'm a little sad about that. They're down 3-1. Who, who's upset about that? They're down 3-1 right now. It's a really hard comeback. I think Toronto's going to take it. But besides that point, Steph Curry's a great basketball player. He really is. He's about halfway through his career. He's literally like in, the, in his prime. He's only halfway through his career, so long as he keeps good health, right? And already he's being given a, a great title. He's already being titled as the greatest shooter in the history of the game. Not the greatest basketball player, not the greatest player in general, but, but specifically the greatest shooter in the history of the game. I've never seen someone so early in the professional career being given such a great title like that. And he's already being called that across the board. Now imagine this. Imagine Steph Curry never picked up a basketball. Imagine he never picked up a basketball. Do you think he would ever fulfill his max, maximum capacity in the world of sports? I mean, I don't think so. Listen, I'm sure he would have played other sports. He actually really enjoys golf. So I'm sure he would have invested a lot more time in golf and developing his game there and maybe even making it professional. You never know. I mean, he's golfed with Obama and uh, President Obama and so many famous people. You know, I know he's got talent in that too. Maybe a lot of his athletic abilities would have shown in that sport as well. I mean, I'm, I don't know much about golf, but I'm sure it takes athletic abilities to play golf too, right? So, like, for example, he has great hand-eye coordination. I'm sure that would have translated. I mean, he definitely has great accuracy in shooting a basketball. I'm sure accuracy would have developed in his game of golf as well. And I'm sure he would have done great in that. But I have a really hard time believing that he would have found as much capacity, as much potential in golf as he's, as he's found in basketball. I really don't think that. I, I, I doubt it. I, I'm willing to bet on it, especially because we'll never find out, right? He's already playing basketball, so there's no point in trying to prove that. But, you know, I'm willing to bet on that. He would have never found that kind of capacity in golf that he's found in basketball. Listen, again, he's halfway through his career right now, right? And he's on pace to beating, not only beating, shattering the three-point record and, you know, making shots from behind the arc uh, from the three-point line. He's, he's probably going to do that. He's on pace to do that in about half the amount of games that the current three-point record holder took to do it. That's amazing. You could say that man was born to shoot the basketball. He was short, born to, to, to shoot the three-pointer. That's an example of him being completely lined up to do what he was meant to do in the world of sports. As a matter of fact, I'd say this. If he weren't lined up like that, I would say it, it would have been a misalignment if he were doing anything else in sports. He would have been off track. Sure, he would have found... He would have found his abilities, his athletic abilities. You find your abilities out early in life. You can find that out really quick in life to find out your abilities. But to find out his potential, his capacity, his potential would have suffered tremendously if he weren't lined up the way he is. Tremendously. 
Now, obviously, I'm talking about something as simple as basketball here. But obviously, tonight, well, today, what we're talking about is uh, way more significant, right? We're talking about potential in life. We're not speaking of just your potential and one specific ability only in life. We're not talking about just one specific area in your life. We're talking about your life in general, your potential in life. That includes everything. That includes all of your abilities. That includes your family. That includes your character. That includes uh, your work. That includes your finances. Everything that sums you up. If it's not lined up with God's priorities, you're setting a limit on your capacity. You're putting a huge lid over your life. And you'll never truly see the great capacity that you have within you. Um, I'll give an example of my life. I know this is true in my life. God has the key to all the potential in your life. And I know that's true with me. Sometimes I do this. I don't know if you've done this too. But I do this thing where I kind of think of where would I be if I didn't find God? Where would I be? Not only that. Where would I be if I didn't put God in the center of my life? And it doesn't take too long for me to figure out I would have been a very different person. I would have been in a very different place in my life. For one thing, the most obvious one I think is I would definitely not be up here. But I don't mean just up here teaching about God. I, that's obvious. If I didn't have God in my life, that wouldn't happen. I mean, I would not be the type of person to be on stage talking to a group of people in public. That would not be me. I would have never found the courage nor the desire to do so. I'm very comfortable playing the background, hiding in the crowd, not being noticed. That comes to me naturally. The very fact that I'm doing this is, is, is to God's credit. It only happens because when I found God, I lined up my life with him. I put my focus on his priorities. I made him the center of my life, and God started to maximize my potential. He started to stretch me and push me out to do things that I would have never been able to do on my own. And he knew it was already in me. It wasn't like he just birthed it out of nowhere. He had it within me from the start because he's, the one, he's my source of my potential. He knew it was already in me. He just wanted to develop it. And when I started to line up my life with him, he started to do that. He started to develop that potential that I never knew I even had. And it's not with teaching. I see it in other areas of my life, too, even as a husband. You know, I'm by no means a perfect husband. I'm very far from it. I'm saying it from my mouth, so you don't have to ask my wife. Am I I'm already saying I'm not a perfect husband. I know that. You know, being very honest, you know, there are plenty of times where I get upset with myself over mistakes that I make, things that I say, reactions that I, that, that I have, you know, um, things that I do, et cetera, et cetera, and that's a long et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All right, so I'm not a perfect husband. I know that. But I tell you, I would, be, I would not be anywhere near the husband I am if I weren't, if I didn't have a daily reminder, a daily focus of the need of Jesus in the center of my marriage. I would not be anywhere near the husband I am if, that, if it weren't for that. I'll, I'll be even further transparent. I used to be a very jealous person in relationships, very jealous. When I started to date my wife, before she was my wife, obviously, right? When we started to date, I knew that was something that had to change within me. I knew that I needed to allow God to change that. So I trusted in God to do his work. And on a daily basis, I placed my focus on God, and he started to do a work within me that I never thought was possible. He started to do something in me where it was a crushing, it was a pressure, just like Pastor Carlos said last week, when God wants to pull out the capacity, he puts you through a pressure, through, through, a, through a crushing that you have to go through in order for that to come out. And he did that, and as difficult as it was, it worked. Something that I never thought would be possible in my life, I was no longer driven by jealousy. 
And that was completely to God's credit. I know that was done in Christ and Christ alone because it took, I know it took a work that was a power that was way above my own. That was done by God's pressure, by God's crushing. Because my focus was on him. And I, I can tell you stories and stories of my life where God has done work in me to his credit, to his glory. But none of those stories would ever, would ever be real or honest or true if I said them without a focus on God. In, in other words, every time God has done a major work in me, obviously it was because I was completely aligned with his priorities. It's, it's to his credit. You know, I, I know I would never be the father that I am today. I think of all these other opportunities that I had, I've had in life, even to serve in uh, bridge, to serve in small groups, you know, to serve in different capacities in the church, you know, to, to even, even as, as simple as just having the relationships and the friendships that I've had where we've grown together in Christ. All of that is to God's credit. All of that is to God's glory. There was something I wanted to say. Give me a second. Man, I was going to. Anyway, so just going back to that, it leads me to this question for you. Where are you with all of this? Where are you? So think about it for a second. And you probably have been already. Where are you with your focus on God? Is your life lined up with God's priorities? You know, are you focused on what God cares about? Or are you off track? Is your life lined up? Or is there a misalignment? Are you looking at God for everything? Is he, is he in the center of it all? Or, or are you off track? Are you missing, are you missing the full potential that God can do in you and through you? Are you setting a limit in your life? I told you I'm a Steph Curry fan. Let me go back to that for a second. Actually, that's later. Give me a second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't be fooled. You might be thinking to yourself, you know what, Joel? My life is pretty good. I have a good life. You know, I know what I'm capable of. You know, I know, I know um, the things that I've done. I know my abilities. I know the standards I live by. I know, <clears throat> you know, the, sex that I've, the success that I've had in life. You know, it might be true. You might have had plenty of success in, in marriage. You might have a successful marriage, a successful job. You might have a great family. You might have made a lot of money in your life. All those things could be completely, completely true. 100% true. But if your life is not lined up with God's priorities, you're missing the most important opportunity to find your greatest potential. I want to say it like this. God made you with the intention of drawing out from within you a fruitfulness and a richness that he can constantly pull out from within you for the rest of your life. God made you with the intention to draw from within you a richness and a fruitfulness that he can continually pull out from within you for the rest of your life. It's like a bottomless well that he can constantly dig deeper and deeper into and pull out a wealth of capacity and potential if you continue to give him slack to dig deeper and deeper. But he can't tap into that well if your life's not lined up with him. You, you miss out on the greatest opportunity to find your greatest potential. Jesus says it this way in John 10, verse 10. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And that abundance is an abundance that God is willing to give us more and more of, so long as we allow him to, until the day of completion when we're finally with him in heaven, until when he finally makes us perfect. 
It's an unlimited potential that we have stored up inside of us when our life is lined up with God. Now I can go back to Steph Curry. Steph Curry, not only has he lined up with life, with, uh, his life with the, how do I say, the greatest opportunity he has in sports, but he didn't just leave it there. Steph Curry is actually a believer. He's a believer in Jesus Christ. See, if he would have met his capacity, his maximum capacity just in sports alone, that would have been in vain. But no, he uses his platform also to represent Christ, and he shares his faith. He's not shy about it either. He's, he's quick to tell you that the credit and the glory goes to God for all of the success he's had, all the abilities he's had. He knows that it's on his faith. He's willing to do that. He's not shy to give God credit. In fact, he said this recently. Uh, he said this. My faith is tested on the court as much as it is in life. It's the part that always keeps me focused on what I need to do when it comes to my family, when it comes to my job. Notice that word focus, by the way, right? When it comes to my job, when it comes to how I treat other people, my appreciation for life and all the good things that happen and how to deal with the bad things that happen. That key word to me, obviously, faith and focus. This is a man that could easily be distracted from God easily be distracted because he's constantly being put on this high pedestal and yet his focus is still on his faith he still gives God the credit he's still grounded in who Jesus is in him so again I repeat this question to you where are you with all of this is your focus on God is your life lined up with his priorities or are you off track you might be wondering, all right, Joel, come on now. What, what are you talking about? What are these priorities that you're talking about? I don't know. How do I know if my life is lined up with God and his priorities? Just tell me what they are already. I think you can sum up everything that God cares about, the, or at least the things he cares most about, into five priorities. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So as, as we get into it, I want you to think about it. If you want to write them down, please feel free to do so. If you just want to reflect on them and think about how much they are a part of your life, if you're really focused on these things, do that as well. But please don't miss out, miss out on this. I'm thinking about how this affects your life. All right, so let's get into it. The first one, ready? I would say the one of the things, and this isn't like a specific order, but the first one we're going to talk about is worship. When we worship, so that first priority is worship. When we worship, we're giving God all the credit and honor and respect and glory that he deserves. Worship is meant to be a lifestyle. It's not something you do sometimes. It's supposed to be your whole life. Worship is our expression of love for God. So anything you do to God's credit, anything you do in praise of God is worship. You could be obviously singing songs of praise, and that's an obvious example of worship. So we just did that this morning, right? So obviously when you're singing songs to God, that's worship. When you're praying to God, that's worship. But it can be anything. You can be, you can be worshiping at work. You can worship when you go to school. If you're doing those things to God's credit, if you're giving him the, the, the credit and you're thanking him and praising him for the ability to do your job, for the ability to be in school, if you give him the credit for all the things you're capable of as you're doing that, that's an act of worship. Listen, you could be sweeping the floor. That could be an act of worship. You can be stacking up chairs. You can be reading a book, having a conversation with someone, taking a walk in the park. You can be staring at the sky, and all of those things can be acts of worship. If you're giving God the credit, if you're magnifying who God is as you do it. Whenever you magnify who God is as you do it, that is worship. Anything that you do, apart from sin, obviously, 
Anything that you do can be an act of worship if you're giving the, God the glory as you do it. And we're meant to do this. We are meant to do this. When worship is our lifestyle, we're continually putting our focus on who God is. When worship is your lifestyle, you're continuously putting your focus on who God is. Your perspective is now on God's greatness instead of yourself. Now you focus on God and how great he is instead of yourself. Think about how much this would help us uh, dismissing fears and doubts. So when fear and doubt would try to, to, to come into your mind and try to sway your decisions as you're making life decisions, you would easily be, be able to push them to the side because you'd be focused on God's unlimited capacity. You wouldn't be focused on those things. What's fear and doubt? That's when you're looking at yourself. But if you focus on God's greatness as you worship him in your lifestyle, those things will easily be pushed to the side because you're focused on who God is instead of focus on your own. It would be much easier to do that. Our focus would be on God's unlimited capacity because our eyes would be on him. Romans 12.1 says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. You're sacrificing to God whenever you do something for his pleasure instead of your own. You're, you're, worship, you're sacrificing to God whenever you do something for his glory instead of your own. That's worship. Is that your lifestyle? Is that how you live? Think about that. Is that an everyday part of your life? The second one that I want to speak of is fellowship. Another priority that God has for us is fellowship. You know, as believers, we're actually family. I don't know if you knew that. I don't know if you like that or not, that idea, but we're family over here. As a matter of fact, can you look to the person next to you and say, hey, we're family? Come on now, be more convincing that. Look to the other side. Say, hey, we're family. Please tell them, you might not like me, but we're family. No one said that part. I really wanted you to say that. No, you might not like me, but we're family. Sorry. And, and get this, family's forever. Think about it. We know family's forever. We're going to be spending time together for eternity. We're family. So get used to us. Get used to us. Listen, did you say just on Sundays? Who said that? No, no, that's actually a part of what I want to say. Fellowship is not just for Sundays, but we'll talk about this for a second. We're meant to spend time with each other. These godly relationships are meant to edify us and build us up in this faith walk that we have. These positive relationships that are sent into Christ are supposed to build us up. Those relationships are the ones that you can lean on when you're going through hard times. Since we share the same faith, we can keep each other accountable as we're walking in Christ. We're God's family. We're supposed to spend time with each other. That's important. Speaking of Sunday, whoever said that, we'll talk about Sunday right now. Sunday is actually a very special moment. It is. It is a special moment. Sunday, you actually, it's so special because you actually do all of the things that God cares about at the same time. Like God knew what he was doing, right? You worship, you fellowship, you have all the things that God cares about, you're pretty much doing at the same time. But to focus on fellowship for a second, think about it. We come here, and there's so many different relationships that we have here, right? Some are more intimate than others. We, we come here, and there are people that we've already shared life with outside of these walls. So we have that intimacy and that personal, like, touch to it. So obviously, we're being built up by them. But then think about all the, like, it's impossible to have a deep personal relationship with every single person, right? So, but even those relationships are still important. You walk in here, and the people that you see from a distance are still an encouragement. There are so many people that I look at, and when I see them, 
even though I probably don't talk to them on a daily basis, they might not even know, but I'm watching their walk and I'm being encouraged as I see them do what they do. You watch how they walk, how they are with their family. You see their character. You see the things they've gone through and the faith that has, has, has come up from them as they've gone through it. And you're encouraged because you're looking at them and you see them as they walk their, their walk with, in faith. So fellowship is extremely important. And God knows that. That's why he wants it to be a priority in our lives. But it's not just for Sundays, for whoever said that. It's not just for Sunday. It's not. Fellowship is something you can do every single day. Um, the example I have for myself is actually a coworker I've had for the last few years. Um, I've had an amazing opportunity to have the same lunch with him. He's a believer. He's a 70-year-old man, by the way, and he's, he's a believer. Listen, us fellas in, in the field of education, we have to stick together because there's not too many of us. So the fact that there's another guy, and it's a Christian at that, like that's, that's awesome. Right? That's like a gift of God right there. But... We've had lunch together for the last few years, and they've been amazing. Uh, this year, our lunch schedule's changed, and it's made me realize how much I appreciated that time with him. I cried a little bit when I found out we had different lunches. Now, I didn't really cry, but it, it was sad. Like, it was hurt. I was hurt because I really appreciated that time that we had together. I know, I know this is true for the both of us because every time we see each other now in the hallway or at the end of the day, we always have that same embrace and we share that same sentiment of missing the time that we had together. And that was at work. That was lunchtime. It sounds like nothing. It was like 40 minutes of just eating and talking. But we talk about life. We talk about God. We talk about our families. I'd ask him questions about his journey in life, his journey with God. And every time after lunch, I'd go back to work, and I'd feel a little bit different. I'd feel a little bit better because of that fellowship time. Is that something that you make a priority in your life? Do you spend time investing in those relationships with people that also believe in Jesus. Listen, that doesn't mean you can't have relationships. Listen, not everyone in our family believes in Jesus. Not all of our friends believe in Jesus. Not all of our co-workers believe in Jesus. Obviously, I know that, you know, we're going to have relationships with plenty of people. But are you specifically investing in relationships with family members in our church? And when I say church, I just mean in God's family. Are you investing in those relationships that will build you up? There's a scripture, I almost forgot to say it. And it's Proverbs 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. As iron sharpens, we're meant to sharpen each other. And in his walk, you're going to get sharpened one way or another, either out in the world or, or in here in your family. It's better with family. Amen? So that leads me to the third one. It's discipleship. So, so far we have worship, we have fellowship, and discipleship, right? So discipleship, as Christians, we're meant to follow Jesus. He's our ultimate example. And he says, right in uh, Matthew 4, verse 19, and it says, Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. But I want to focus on that first part where he says, Come follow me. He's basically saying, Walk as I walk. Live as I live. He's saying, Be like me. Everyone, remember that old commercial, be like, everyone wants to be like Mike? Like Jesus is saying, forget Mike, be like me, be like me. Jesus is inviting us to become like him. For those who don't, for those who are really young people, they're talking about Michael Jordan in that commercial, if you didn't know that. Everyone wants to be like Mike, talking about Michael Jordan. Jesus is inviting us to become like him. When we follow Jesus, he begins to work in us and mold us to look more like him. You know what God does in this 
in this time, if, if you're focused on this, he begins to stretch you and mold you and change your heart. He begins to do a work inside of you that you really don't want to go through because it hurts. It's a stretching. It's not one of those pretty um, uh, maximizing your capacity situations where like, you get better. This is your character. This is the inside of you, the part that you don't want to change because you, that's who you are. It hurts, but it's good, and it's holy, and it's what God wants. It's a priority of his. It's an invitation that Jesus gives us. In this time, God stretches you to read more, to pray more, to think more, to search more, to look more like him in every way possible. God asks you during this time for permission to mold your heart. He asks for permission to do it. He doesn't just go in and do it. It's a constant permission being asked to mold you, to change your heart, to work on your character. See, here in Christ Fellowship, we have a discipleship process already in place. And that's where an intentional leader spends time with you, invests their life into your life. But not for the purpose of making you look like them, for the purpose of making you look like Christ. The purpose is to make you look just like Jesus. And what they do there is like an intensification class, right? What it does is the purpose of it is to help you develop those spiritual habits, of reading the Bible, of knowing the Bible. Faith is grown by, how's, how, do you, how do you grow in faith? By knowing the word. Reading the Bible, praying, spending time in your, investing in your relationship with Jesus. Spending time with other believers, sharing Jesus with others. During this discipleship process, all of that is being built within you. It's a spiritual maturity that you're developing. And the purpose of it, obviously, is to just to develop your faith and develop your walk to make you a mature Christian. And it's a beautiful process. I went through it, and I thank God for it. See, the intention is to help you mature in your spiritual habits. So many of us get stuck on this. I wonder, I really wonder of this in, in, in our family here. So many of us get stuck in believing in Jesus but never focus on becoming like Jesus. So many of us in this world, and not just, I mean everywhere. This, this family is global, just in case if you didn't know. So many of us get stuck on believing in Jesus, but never make a focus, never align our lives with becoming like Jesus. And that's God's heart. God's heart is for us to become more and more like his son. That's the process that he wants. That's, that's what, listen, the word Christian literally means a follower of Jesus, a follower of Christ. That's God's heart. Are you stuck there? Are you stuck at just believing? Listen, believing in Jesus is, is good. Don't get me wrong. You need that. That's your ticket to heaven just in case you didn't know. But are you becoming like Jesus? Are you in that process? Are you allowing God to work in you in that way? That's God's heart. That's what he desires. As we allow God to work in us, he does a transformation in our lives, removing sinful habits, removing things that are, that are harmful to us, removing things that are displeasing to him. And he starts molding us to look more and more like Jesus to the point where our reflection is like him. And like I said, that's a never-ending process until the day we die, until the point of completion when we're finally in heaven with God and we're made in his perfection. But in the meantime, are you allowing him to work? Listen, I want to say this. We can vividly see God stretching our capacity in this process. 
in other, in other situations, you probably don't see it as much. But I think this is the one that probably hurts the most. And you see it the most because you see the changes within you. The things that other people might not see, you see. Because you're with yourself 24-7, right? You can vividly see God expanding you, increasing your, your capacity, in, increasing your potential, doing that work in you and through you when you allow him to mold you in this way. Are you focused on discipleship? Are you focused on becoming more like Jesus? Is your life aligned with that priority that God has for you? Number four, number four is serving. So we have worship, fellowship, discipleship, and serving. If we're committed to God, we're committed to serving. Jesus said himself, I didn't come here to be served, but to serve. If you're committed to God, you're committed to serving. God has given us each abilities, skills, time, and resources for the purpose of us using it for his glory. We can use it to bless others, and we can use it to bless God. If you have a heart to serve, you can serve anywhere. It could be at home, at work, wherever you want. But we have a special privilege as God's family, right, to serve God right here. There's so many amazing ministries right here in Christ Fellowship that we can use all those things that God has given us for his glory. As we speak, Kids Church is going on. Kids Church is going on as we speak right now. You think of all the people that are spending time in the various rooms, pouring out their time, sacrificing their time, and pouring into our kids. And for two reasons. It's not just babysitting, just in case you think it's that, although that's part of it. The main part is... They're investing in our children. My daughter's up there learning about God. And not just through me. Like, she'd probably get tired of it if it's just through me and my wife, or my wife and I. She's getting it from some, someone else. She's seeing other kids learning about God too. It's an investment. Someone's up there spending their time instead of sitting here and listening to the teaching and worshiping and doing what, the, what we do. And then obviously that's the other part. Because of them doing that, we're allowed to worship. We're allowed to fellowship. We're allowed to, you know, um, receive the message and, and hear from God. Because someone else is serving. That's an act of service, right? Not only that, I think of the Bridge Youth Ministry. So our youth ministry works it in a way where we open up gyms in various schools in Elizabeth uh, during the school year on Friday nights. And those Friday nights, the youth can go there to have a positive place to be in, but also build positive friendships and learn about Jesus. And usually it's kids that don't know about Jesus. But that takes a lot of effort, that takes a lot of time, that takes a lot of serving people. And that, the list goes on and on with all the different things you can do right here, right here, to be used by God. See, when you serve, when our focus is on serving God, we get to learn so much about how God plans on using us. You learn so much about how God plans on using you. But here's the funny thing. You also learn sometimes on how God doesn't plan on using you. Let me explain what I mean by that. So I had to learn uh, a few things that God didn't plan to use me for. When I was a young Christian, I wanted to be a part of everything. I just wanted to be used by God. So I jumped into as many different ministries as I, as I can think of, right? So I, I found out early on, I remember when I joined the worship team, found out I couldn't sing. When everyone else sounded like angels around me, I knew I didn't fit. So that wasn't for me. Even faster, I remember a long time ago, I joined a skit and drama ministry, found out I was not a gifted actor. I wasn't. I overacted. Like, who are the overactors in the house? Raise your hand if you're an overactor whenever you... Only me? All right, thank you. I overacted. Like, I was too much. Like, they had to tone me down. They kicked me out of it. Actually, I just left. I left because I knew I wasn't good at it. You learn about what you're not good at. But you know what? As a young Christian, I did learn that I love to work with young people. That's something I, I did learn. 
I remember at one point I was uh, serving in, in a, a children's ministry where it was like ages from 7 to 11 years old, sometimes even younger, actually. And, you know, I was just serving there. You know, and that was a great time. Little did I know, a few years later, I was going to become an elementary teacher. Like, go figure. Like, who knew that? Imagine that. God knew that. He knew what he was doing. And, you know, that was all because of that service. See, you bless other people as you serve them. But you bless yourself even more because you're allowing God to use you in the way that he designed you to be used. You bless yourself even more. You think of the sacrifice you're making for others. Think about the sacrifice you're investing in, you're making for yourself. You're allowing God to use you for what he designed you for. It's a blessing. God doesn't do these things. He doesn't make these our priorities. Or he doesn't make these priorities for us just to, I don't know, uh, get us out of what we want to do. He does it for a reason. It's because it's a benefit to us. You're allowing God to use you in service to, for his glory and honor. Are you doing this? Are you serving God? Listen, you might sit there and think, I don't have any abilities. I don't have any gifts. I don't. I'm, I'm probably the least gifted in this room. I can't sing. I can't dance. I can do anything. I can't draw for the life of me. I can do any of that stuff. Every single person in this room has a unique gift, has an ability, has a special thing that you can do, and it might not be something that stands out to other people. It might not be something that stands out to you. It doesn't matter. God made you with special gifts, special skills, special talents. Just by being you, you bless people with your presence when you're allowing God to use you, and you don't even know it. But if you hide yourself, God can't use you to bless others. When you hide yourself, you're hiding those abilities you have. You're hiding your time. You're hiding your gifts. You're hiding your resources. You're hiding who you are. God can't use you to bless others, and he can't use you for what he purposed you for. We are meant to serve. Is your life lined up with that? Is that a priority in your life? The fifth one, the last one we're going to talk about this morning is sharing about Jesus. So we have worship, fellowship, discipleship, serving, and then finally, sharing about Jesus. Letting others know who Jesus is. This is easily probably the least popular one because it's the one that really takes us out of our comfort zone. And I get it. It's really uncomfortable, but it's so important. It's so important to let others know. Listen, we are the ones that have to let others know how good God is to us. We got to let them know. If we don't tell them, how are they going to find out? We're meant to share how good God is to, to us with other people. It's God's heart. He wants everyone to be saved. We talk about God's family. He wants more and more people to be in his family. He, want his fam he wants his family to increase. And I, I used to say to my wife before we got married, before we had kids, I used to say, I want 100 kids. I wasn't planning on saying this. I want 100 kids. Then I had one kid and I realized that's not a, that's not a smart thing to ask for because that's, that's a lot of work. Now I have two kids. Man. We want three. Whatever God gives us. I'll take 100. Probably go crazy, but I'll take it. God wants 100, 1,000, a million, a billion. There are 7 billion people in this world. God wants 7 billion kids right now in his family. Every single person you meet is someone that God loves and he wants in his family. Every single person, who's going to tell them of God's love if it's not us? It's our job to do that. That's a focus. That's a priority that God wants us to have. In fact, right now, if you're here 
and you don't know Jesus very well. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't know Jesus very well. I just want to say this. You can have, you can miss many opportunities in, opportunities in life. You can look back in your life and say, I should have, I could have, I would have, for many different things in life, and that'll be okay. The one opportunity you can't afford to miss is to have an, a personal, intimate relationship with the, the God that made you, with Father God through Jesus. That's the one opportunity you can't afford to miss because it's an opportunity that affects your outcome for eternity. It's something that has an everlasting effect. It doesn't just affect your life right here now. It affects your life in eternity. So if that's you, I'm, I'm just asking you, please don't miss this opportunity. Invite Jesus into your life. Let him live in your heart. Let him become the king of your life. He loves you so much that he died on the cross for you. God wants you to know that he had his son Jesus die so you can live. Don't miss this opportunity. We're meant to share Jesus with others. That's our responsibility. That's what we're supposed to do. That's God's heart. The church is God's family, and like I said, he wants more and more people to join, right? Think about you. You know Jesus because someone, invite, or someone told you about him. Listen, you're not Paul going on the road to Damascus and having Jesus knock you off a horse and shine a bright light and say, stop persecuting me. That's not you. And if it is you, tell me about it. That's a crazy story. I want to hear it. I'm pretty sure that's not you. I'm pretty sure someone told you about Jesus. That's something else I'm willing to bet on. I'm a better man. I shouldn't be betting, right? It's a bad thing. But I bet you someone told you about Jesus. Someone probably invited you to church. Maybe it was your parent or someone else that dragged you to church. Whatever works, it doesn't matter. Somebody told you about Jesus. In one way, shape, or form, someone delivered that message to you. And that's how you, that's how you know God. That's how I know him. You know, not to get deep in that, but that's how I know him because people invested in me and let me know who Jesus is. And then I fell in love with him for myself. That's our job. This world is lost without him. We got to let him know. Is this one of your priorities? To share Jesus with others, do, you, do others see the love of God inside of you? Do others get to know who Jesus is just by looking at you, just by talking to you? And even, yes, straight up, actually you telling them who Jesus is. We could sum up, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, all these priorities, right? The way we reach our fullest potential in Christ is by lining up our lives with these five things. But we can sum all of these things up to one. And I say it's like this. I think we can, God, God's pretty clear on what his main priority is. His main priority is this, his kingdom. God's main priority is his kingdom. His people, his reign, his dominion. That's why I say he wants more and more people to join his family because he wants his kingdom to be pushed, enhanced, stretched when you're living a lifestyle of worship that's God's kingdom living in you when you have a relationship with God you are in God's kingdom you're part of his kingdom when you're, you're fellowshipping when you're in fellowship with other believers those are two citizens in God's kingdom giving him glory when you're in discipleship when you're allowing God to change you you're looking at the king and say king I want to look like you that's his kingdom. When you're serving, you're serving in his kingdom. 
Don't you see how all of it is pointing to God's glory? And when you're sharing Jesus with others, you're saying, hey, you need to get a part of this kingdom. You need to join this king. This is the best king. You need to join this king. We have, we have confidence and faith in America. I have confidence and faith in the kingdom of God. You need to join this place. This is the best place because you know what? This place is never going to end. His kingdom is never going to end. You can make it underground. You can be, keep it above ground. You can do whatever you got to do. You can try to kill it as much as you want. It's never going to end. You can't pass up on this. God's main priority is his kingdom. Is it yours? Is it yours? Matthew 6.33 says it. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. When your focus is worship, fellowship, discipleship, serving and sharing with Jesus with others, you're seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And everything else just kind of falls into place. Everything else is secondary. God will take care of it because you're putting him first. If you want to challenge God to see how much he can do in you and through you, align your life with his priorities. Line your life up with him. In fact, right now, I want us to take a moment, and I want you to think about this. Are you focused on God? Are those five priorities, are, are those present in your life? Is that the center of your life? Is it, are those priorities that you have on a daily basis? We're going we're gonna to sing a song now. And as they sing this song, I want you to just take this chance just to kind of reflect on what we've talked about. You can close your eyes. You can bow your head. You can do whatever you got to do. But if you want to just listen to the lyrics and let the lyrics speak to your life, if you want to pray to God and talk to him and ask him to point things out, one of my favorite scriptures, search me, O God, and know my heart. Maybe you want to give God that opportunity right now to go through that spiritual surgery. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. If you want to give that, that opportunity to God right now, do that in your time of prayer. If you want to reflect on maybe one of those areas, worship, fellowship, discipleship, serving, sharing Jesus with others. If you want to just kind of see how much you want to gauge, how much of this is a priority in my life. Take that opportunity right now as you hear this song. I want to give you this chance. If you feel God is telling you, I want more of you, maybe you're here this morning and you feel God tugging your heart and saying, I want more of you. You hear these things that we've been talking of this morning. I want those things to be your priorities in your life. You've been asking me to give you more. You've been asking me to do more in you, to work in you in a special way. This is how you're going to do it. Make me your focus. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand up. Stand up. And make that a declaration of God right now. God, I want to give you more. I want to make you the center of my life. I want to pursue you. I want to pursue your presence. And even now as we pray... I want you to just repeat after me. Dear God, here I am. God, I know that you made me with an unlimited capacity. It's your stamp in my life. And God, I want to make you my focus. I want to care about what you care about to worship you, 
to have fellowship, to be a disciple of you, Jesus, to allow you to change within me whatever is not of you. Make me look like you. God, I want to serve you with the abilities that you've given me, with my time and my resources. I want to be used by you for your purpose. And God, develop the courage and the desire and, Lord, even the brokenness to speak to other people about you, Jesus, to let them know how sweet your love really is, to let them know how much glory and honor and respect you deserve, to let them know what they're missing out in, in having a relationship with you. Dear Lord, I pray that everyone here, everyone here, God, receives this message that you've blessed us with. I pray that those seeds are planted deep in their hearts and it doesn't stay superficial, it doesn't stay in the surface, but goes deep in our hearts, Lord, so that we may seek you out in a way that is special and unique, the way that you desire us to desire you. Build us, one of those things that you can build us up or build up inside of us, Lord, is that desire to know you, Lord. May you put a fire inside of us to know you in a deeper and a special way, Lord. To not be settled to just being believers in Jesus, but becoming like Jesus, my God. We know that our capacity can only be, be fulfilled if we're seeking you out and if we have a focus on your priorities. And I pray, my Lord, that we leave this place more focused on being closer to you, God. Seeking you out in all the areas of our lives. Making you the center of our lives. Pursuing you with everything that we are. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. We give you glory and honor because you are great, you are good, you are holy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. God bless you guys.